Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good evening, children of the night. Thank you for joining us again as we travel south on our summer road trip. We'll dip back into the southwestern corner of Virginia and pause to spend a luxurious night at the Martha Washington Inn. Constructed in 1832 by General Francis Preston, a hero of the War of 1812 for his family of nine children. During its two centuries of existence, the building has served as an upscale woman's college, a Civil War hospital, and barracks, and a residence for visiting actors at the Barter Theater. Currently, it is now a hotel and offers luxurious spa treatments, including a hot stone massage with essential oils that currently has a going rate of $120 for an hour. Also, during the two centuries of existence, the place has gathered up a small collection of restless spirits. As with any southern antebellum house, there are the spirits of slaves tied to eternal servitude and Civil War soldiers forever tormented by the war between countrymen. Appropriate to a hotel favored by couples, there are two notable ghostly appearances that feature love and lost loves in their story. The first tells the tale of a young Confederate soldier tasked with a dangerous mission. 
Before leaving, he carefully crept into the building, still serving as Martha Washington College, to see his lady before leaving. Unfortunately, discovered by two northern soldiers, a young southern soldier was shot and killed in front of his lady. His blood stained the floor, and the story goes that no amount of scrubbing or hiding of the stain will keep it covered for long. The second story is that in the war, the college closed down, but some of the young women studying at the college stayed to volunteer as nursing staff during the war. A northern captain by the name of John Stoves, gravely wounded, found himself in that hospital being cared for by one of the young nurses named Beth. They fell in love, but one night he declared that it would be his last, and asked her to play her violin for him as he died. This happened in what is now room 217 of the inn, and it is said that you can hear her violin on some late evenings. Now, take a seat. The inn will be a great place to hear the story from J.C. Hemphill. It's a lengthy one, just over 40 minutes. So settle in. A little bit about J.C., J.C.'s work has appeared in over 30 publications, including the Stoker-nominated Dark Tales of Lost Civilizations, S.T. Joshi's Weird Fiction Review, Buzzy Mag, Daily Science Fiction, and Spark, a creative anthology. He is also the 2012 winner of the Washington Pastime Literary Award. He lives in Denver, Colorado, with his wife and two dogs. And now, J.C. Hemphill's Colorful Caps. Miss Ellie didn't think much of working alone in her garden. She was used to it. Freddie had always helped, but Freddie had gone to enrich the soil at Churchill Cemetery years ago. A grim thought, sure, but Miss Ellie preferred thinking of her deceased husband as fertilizer rather than dead. Something about his body decomposing, becoming one with the earth, gave death a sense of purpose and allowed Miss Ellie to gain peace where most felt despair. And that was why she loved her irises and Japanese maples and dwarf Alberta spruces so much. Being outdoors, slaving to feed and nourish her beloved plants curbed the misery of loss. Even now, as she planted this season's flowers and reminisced on the days when the kids still lived at home, she didn't mind the loneliness. Sure, she'd love to have Sarah come by, or Alan and the grandbabies, but hoping for that was like thinking of Freddie as dead, pointless. Miss Ellie worked her way around the edges of the flower bed, digging holes, dropping in hyacinth bulbs, and plucking weeds as she went. She paused in her mad grab for invading weeds when her hand came to a patch of mushrooms hiding in the dank shade of a hydrangea. The fungi were common enough and just as unsightly as the weeds, but these were different. These were stained colors she'd never seen. Vibrant blues and greens and oranges all tinted a dusty earthen hue. She decided to stay her executioner's hand. The governor called. The switch wouldn't be thrown on the mushrooms today. Maybe tomorrow, but not today. They were kind of cute. Like baby toes painted funny colors. Miss Ellie stood up, 
winced at the pain lancing her back, and tugged her gloves off. She looked down on the prim flower bed with satisfaction. The mushrooms, those colorful caps, brought the area to life. She imagined them wiggling as if they really belonged to some multicolored baby. They didn't move, but something else happened. She bent forward for a better look. The mushrooms brightened. The dusty blue was no longer dusty, but clear and sharp like Caribbean waters. Not only that, they seemed taller. Not by much, but enough to notice. Or at least she thought she noticed. They were probably the same hue and size as before, but she wasn't sure. Her eyes and mind liked to plot against her, often altering her perception in cruel ways. Just last week, she had purchased a pair of sandals, size six, same size she'd worn for 60-odd years, only to discover they didn't fit. She returned to the store, swore up and down and all around that she wore a six, and these sixes didn't fit. The manager politely pointed out that the box said five and not six. Where the six had looped around, the five didn't. Now you see it, now you don't. She left the store with the correct size, but not her dignity. She saw a six. And now the mushrooms grew and changed color? Doubtful. But maybe... Wouldn't that be neat? She'd have to keep an eye on them, because if they did grow that fast, if they did change color, well, then that'd be something to talk about, to call the kids about, now wouldn't it? Miss Ellie woke up thinking about the mushrooms, and for once the day ahead held purpose. Rushing through the morning rituals, she headed for the backyard kneeled by a sagging hydrangea, and made a mental note to prune the flowering bush. She expected to find the rainbow of caps where she left them, but instead found a bare patch of mulch. Her shoulders slumped. Yesterday she'd debated their fate. They were the newest recruits in the scourge of weeds infesting her flower beds. But overnight they'd become more they became something worth mourning the loss of. A hole opened inside her, or perhaps a reopening. She had expected the mushrooms to sprout ten feet high overnight. The hope of such excitement, such pure fantasy, was enough to temporarily plug the pre-existing hole. And now, well, they weren't ten feet tall. They were gone. Miss Ellie stood, arched her back, and shambled inside to redo her morning rituals the long way. As she detailed her hair and makeup for an audience comprised of vegetation, and maybe the mailman if a catalog came, she pictured the mushrooms, ten feet tall, bright as day, swaying in the wind. Stop being silly, she told the mirror, and walked outside to prune the hydrangea. 
The kids called later that afternoon on a three-way connection. They lived in separate states and only called when holidays dictated. Mother's Day wasn't for another three weeks. Hey, Mom, Sarah said when her mother answered. Alan echoed the greeting. It must be my birthday, Miss Ellie said. An uncomfortable silence hung over the line, and she suspected what her oh-so-distantly-loving-and-caring kids were thinking. They were wondering if their mother had finally lost it. No, Mom, Sarah said, and Miss Ellie half expected her daughter to follow up with, Your birthday was two months ago, Mom. We wanted to see how you're doing. You know, check up. See if you need any help around the house and whatnot. No, honey, I'm fine, but thanks for asking. Miss Ellie twirled the phone cord around her finger while she waited for Sarah to approach the real topic. You know, Miss Ellie pressed in the sweetest mom tone she could muster, you two don't have to worry about me. I've been through a lot more than age and a lifetime of eating egg yolks can throw at me. So don't count your old mother out just yet. I know, but you're all alone, and the house is so big, and I, we, heard from the walkers that you spend more and more time in the yard. You've been talking to the neighbors about me? Well, when Dad died, we gave our phone numbers to a couple of your neighbors in case you ever needed anything, and every once in a while I give them a ring to ask how you're doing. A creeping tingle filled Miss Ellie's body. She felt like she'd been caught doing something wrong. But why? Why not call me instead? Alan cleared his throat and spoke for the first time since, hey. Because you don't exactly communicate things too good, Ma. Is this why you called? To tell me I don't communicate? No, Sarah said. No, we called to tell you we're coming down for a visit. Miss Ellie's heart awakened, overjoyed, making her forget that her own children had the neighbors spying on her. Yep, Alan added, tomorrow. Fantastic, Miss Ellie exclaimed. It's been ages since I saw my grandbabies. I'll bet I don't even recognize them anymore. Just me and Sarah are coming. The kids have school, so my girlfriend, Lydia, is watching them. Oh, Miss Ellie's heart returned to its lethargic beating. I see. Miss Ellie spent the rest of the day working in the front yard, and when the neighbors came home from work and waved, she made a concerted effort to feign deafness. She hoped they reported to Big Brother that Mother Goose was losing her hearing, too. She smiled at her own levity for the briefest second before the weight of the situation sank in. She moved to the backyard, returned to the spot where the mushrooms belonged, and pinched her thigh until the tears passed. Blurry-eyed, she saw her garden in starbursts, the purple irises and red roses and burnt orange marigolds were all very nice and dazzling, but nothing compared to the pocket-sized light show near the back.
She kneeled, suddenly tired, and rubbed her eyes. She wasn't sure, but maybe... They were back! One yellow, one indigo, one blue with shimmering flecks, one brown with streaks of teal, one black but spotted lime, one lime but spotted black. Six colorful, vibrantly stunning, and stunningly vibrant mushrooms protruded from the mulch in a huddled patch. Miss Ellie, broken and weary, crawled among her revered flowers, grinding them into splintered heaps as she closed in on the mushrooms. She crawled until she lay face to face with the caps, rested her chin on folded hands, kicked her heels to the sky like a love-struck teen, and stared. After a while, she scrambled to the shed for a shovel and Alan's old fish tank. She filled the tank half full of dirt, transplanted the mushrooms, and took them to the shed for safekeeping. She set the tank on a workbench and used a 40-watt lamp to spotlight it. Again, she thought the mushrooms had grown. Again, she questioned her vision. A crate of irises waiting to be planted sat next to the fish tank, and an idea occurred. She dug a hole in the dirt next to the mushrooms. Then she removed a flower and placed it in the fish tank. The iris was slightly taller than the mushrooms. She returned to the house and watched the shed through the sliding glass doors of the kitchen. The corrugated steel box sat nestled between the privacy fence and flanking flower beds. Impatience urged her to go back out. She wanted to be with them. Even now, images of the mushrooms danced and swayed in her memory, morphing and blending as she fantasized about what they were, where they came from, and most importantly, what they would become. Miss Ellie considered herself a veteran horticulturalist, and as far as she knew, no plant in her corner of the world, fungi or not, grew so rapidly. Then there were their colors, so bright and unmistakably alien, that she couldn't dismiss the peculiarity of their existence. She hemmed and hawed for an hour before breaking down and going out. The sun was half-submerged into the horizon, and a slanted light filled the shed, chasing shadows into unlit corners. The aroma of soil clung to the air. Dust floated in a lazy cloud. Shovels and rakes stood sentry along walls, and the fish tank, half full of dirt, glinted in the sun. And yes, oh, thank the sweet Lord, they were still there. Six neon umbrellas, fractions taller, shades brighter. Miss Ellie's body and soul lifted, transcending happiness and skipping into pure elation. She went to them like long-lost children, children who didn't conspire with the neighbors behind her back, children who appreciated the love she offered, children who didn't move hundreds of miles away.
She bent down to inspect them and took a startled step back. Her breath stopped, cut short by the unfathomable. She blinked, rubbed her eyes, and blinked again. She tried squinting, moving closer and then further away, altering the light they were in, hoping it was just shadows. But nothing changed what she saw. On six stems, below six caps, were six etchings of faces. Each mushroom had the outlines of sleeping eyes and stubby noses and a horizontal crease where a mouth belonged. Not only that, but three dark lines, almost trenches, marked where arms and legs would be. Miss Ellie covered her mouth. They scared and fascinated all at once, and the idea rolling around in her head gained weight, crushing all other rational thought in its path. They resembled fetuses developing without a womb. She spent the night nurturing the newfound life, watching them grow. By four in the morning, the caps had doubled in height and width. The colors gained a near-luminous glow that tinted the dirt around them, and their faces became detailed. Noses protruded from stalks. Arms and legs were clear-cut, and the tiny round bulges of eyes appeared ready to open. The only event of note occurred when one of the mushrooms, the lime one with black spots, released a brown spore cloud into the air. Within seconds, the iris beside it wilted and turned black. When golden slats of light began pouring into the shed, colors started blurring, and she realized she'd missed her bedtime by nine hours. Then she remembered the kids were coming to talk, and if they caught her in her current state, the gray pouches under her eyes and loose strands of hair prickling off her head would be taken as signs of distress. She cleaned herself up and headed for bed, intending to take a nap. They both lived over six hours away, so even if they'd left at dawn, they wouldn't arrive until afternoon. The instant her head hit the pillow, the doorbell rang. She rolled out of bed with a grunt and shuffled to the front door. Alan and Sarah waited on the other side with cramped smiles. Sarah hesitated before stepping in for a hug and embraced her mother as if she might shatter in her arms. Alan remained on the stoop. Sarah pulled away, placed a hand on each of Miss Ellie's cheeks, and frowned. You look tired. Some way to greet your mother, Miss Ellie responded, looking over Sarah's shoulder. Alan, you afraid of catching old age or what? Of course not, Ma. Then get your tush in here before the neighbors think I'm converting religions. She led them into the sitting room and took the first seat in the room, a royal purple armchair with hand-stitched flowers and vines crisscrossing on the cushions. 
You must have flown to have gotten here so dern early. Alan and Sarah sat across from her on a royal purple love seat. Figurines of roses and birds littered the coffee table between them, and Miss Ellie wondered if Alan recognized the knickknacks as the birthday and Christmas and Mother's Day gifts he'd given her every year between the ages of eight and fourteen. Sarah leaned forward on her knees, her smile gone. We drove down last night so we could talk before coming over. Look, Mom, we need to ask you something, and we need an honest answer. It's really important to us. She glanced back at Alan, confirming their decision. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Miss Ellie perked in her chair. Hold on a sec. You came down last night? And what, got hotel rooms? How much did that cost? You could have talked right here for free. Alan shrugged. We didn't want to bother you. Bother? What bothers me is you didn't come over. Alan lowered his gaze. Sarah's face softened, but only for an instant. Are you going to let me ask our question or not? I suppose. Must be important since you both drove down without the kids and spent money on hotel rooms for some kind of summit meeting on me, your loving mother. Miss Ellie sat upright, attempting to show pride in her astute observation. Mom, 
Sarah said, flat, demanding. It isn't like that, and you know it. I do, she muttered. Yeah, you know how much we love you. I do, she thought, and want to take care of you. So when you say things like that, it hurts, and it makes all this harder. All what? Alan sat forward, taking over the conversation. How are you doing? I mean, really doing. Miss Ellie lifted her chin. Peachy keen, why? We're worried about how much work you do around this place. Four bedrooms, front and backyards, the flower beds, hell, the wood stairs. Remember how many times I slipped coming down them as a kid? Nearly broke my neck once or twice because I had socks on. What if you fell? Who'd help you? Miss Ellie recoiled in offense. The neighbors say you're outside for six, eight hours every day, even on Sunday. You never used to work on Sundays, not even if a storm uprooted a whole row of daisies on Saturday. And now you work more than a day laborer with nine kids to feed. Look at your skin. You could make boots out of that stuff. Well, that's disturbing, Miss Ellie said, holding a look of disgust. I'm not some worthless bunch of... She froze mid-word. Across the room, where a mahogany armoire full of pictures and mementos sat against the wall, a blue light caught her attention. Something like the hue a neon sign puts out. It radiated from behind a 9-11 commemorative plate featuring the NYPD and FDNY logos. The blue light moved and then disappeared. Ma, Alan said. She blinked. Sorry, I, uh, I feel fine. No reason to get all gussied up and make a big deal. She shook her head, not out of disappointment, but because maybe, just maybe, she was seeing things little blue lights from little blue mushrooms that had faces and arms and legs and grew while you watched. And now they were sneaking around the armoire, hiding behind dishes. The idea that her kids were right, that she needed help, began to seep in like cold water. Sarah dug through her purse and pulled out a pamphlet covered in glossy photos of people with silver hair and garish smiles. Just by the cover, Miss Ellie could tell, Rocky Ridge Community Center was jam-packed with all kinds of activities geared toward people in their rusted years. Everything from sitting by a lake to sitting under a tree to sitting and watching television. A steel shutter closed in Miss Ellie's mind. Hallucinations or not, she wasn't condemning herself to retiree prison. Before Sarah spoke, Miss Ellie said one word, no. But no. Alan opened his mouth, no. Miss Ellie repeated, I'm not leaving my home. I've lived here 40 years, made it my own. Heck, I changed the wallpaper six times in this room alone. I put the shed up and back. 
I decided what tile to put down in the kitchen. I decided what kind of fence to put up when folks started building other houses around us. You could see for five hundred yards in all directions before then. Used to be I'd see more cows than people. How can you ask me to pack up and go? She struggled to contain a quiver in her voice. This is where you kids grew up. This is where I lived with your father. We had Christmas here the month before he passed. I still remember the grands climbing on him like a big rock and him laughing, tickling them till they fell down with laughing fits of their own. She paused to wipe her eyes. It didn't seem that long ago when she and Freddie would sit in this same room with one of the kids, usually Alan, for a serious talk of their own, except it was her and Freddie on the love seat and the kid in the chair, fighting back tears of shame. Everything I am is in this house. Another light, this one indigo, appeared on the armoire behind the 9-11 plate. This time she noticed a rubbery cap peeking around the edge, inching into sight until the stalk and two black eyes surfaced. Alan's eyebrow arched. Ma? Her gaze moved to Alan, then to the floor by his feet. An amber glow radiated from beneath, turning the love seat into one of those ghetto-fied Hondas with neon lights stuck to the underside. It grew and shrank in intensity, and she imagined the little bugger scooting around, its flappy head barely fitting in the narrow space. Ma? Miss Ellie blinked. Alan followed her gaze, crossing the coffee table, moving to his feet. The amber light was inches, centimeters away. She caught her son's gray-blue eyes. Yes, yes, I hear you. You got me thinking is all. Alan grinned without showing his teeth, glanced at his gold watch, and stood up as if he realized he was late for a meeting. I know this is hard. Believe me, this is hard for us, too. We hate doing, then don't. Miss Ellie looked to Sarah, hoping her daughter would take her side. Hidden in her, beneath layers of forced adulthood and practical intentions, was the sweet child she'd raised. Sarah didn't realize how much she acted like her mother. She didn't obsess over gardens or attend church, but she worked 60-hour work weeks at a job that only demanded 40, and she took offers of help as personal insults the way her mother did. But Sarah showed no signs of empathy. She was in it for her mother's own good, a justification that absolved her of any sin. "'You haven't even glanced at the flyer,' Sarah said. Miss Ellie began to say she didn't need to, but stopped as a lime and black mushroom, about ten inches tall, ran across the floor behind Alan's feet. Its legs and arms were thick and toeless and reminded her of the old claymation character Gumby. 
Its padded feet made a tapping sound that only she heard in the awkward silence filling the room, and it vanished behind the wall as quickly as it appeared. The kids gawked, dumbfounded, as if she'd had a stroke and died right in front of them. Alan spoke first. Okay, I see we've upset you. Me and Sarah are going to step outside so everyone can cool down. There's a solution to every problem, Ma. Miss Ellie's body went rigid. Dad used to say that all the time, remember? Miss Ellie closed her eyes as tears swelled. She nodded. We'll find one to this problem. Don't worry. We love you, Ma. He was sincere, just like Sarah was sincere about taking care of her tired mother. And that terrified Miss Ellie. Sarah pulled a pack of cigarettes from her purse and walked to the backyard with Alan. The second they were out of sight, Miss Ellie searched for the mushrooms. She checked the armoire and the dining room. Nothing. She got down on all fours to look under the love seat. Still nothing. Sarah's purse sat open on the floor, and Miss Ellie noticed another brochure sticking out. This one wasn't glossy and covered with smiling old people. This one was on olive paper with plain black printing. Davis Community and Medical Center featured such attractions as therapeutic exercises, round-the-clock nursing, and three square meals a day. The last thing she read was, We specialize in retirement-averse patients. She didn't like the sound of that. She imagined Davis Community and Medical Center dispatching bulky men in white coats and a straitjacket to save her from a life of oppressive, back-breaking freedom. As she placed the pamphlet back into the purse, something hit the side of her foot. She looked down and found the lime and black mushroom. She froze. It tilted its head back and peered at her with black eyes and lime-green pupils. It was both shocking and cute. And, to her surprise, the little guy raised an arm and waved a stubby hello before turning and vanishing beneath the love seat. Miss Ellie moved to look for it, but the back door squeaked as the kids came in, whispering. She got a premonition that they were about to reveal Plan B, Davis Community and Medical Center. When they entered the sitting room, Miss Ellie was back in her armchair. It took everything she had not to scan for neon lights. Things were happening too quickly. She needed to focus on the kids and on keeping herself out of the retirement home. But the mushrooms dominated her thoughts. Even as Alan and Sarah sat, the question of reality taunted her. She'd lived too long to be fooled by something so obviously nuts. But at the same time, she was sure they were real. I have something to confess, 
Miss Ellie blurted. Alan and Sarah glanced sidelong at each other. What's that? Sarah asked. Miss Ellie shifted, nervous at what she was about to say. She didn't want to, but she needed to know if she was sane or not. I've been seeing mushrooms, odd little buggers with arms and legs and faces. She spoke fast, trying to get everything out before the absurdity of her own words sank in. They glow real bright colors, kind of like they grew in toxic sludge, but they didn't. Same soil as all my other plants, and since you two got here, they've been running around the house. The kids' faces went from humored to appalled. I don't think they like the way you're treating me. She released a long exhale. Alan and Sarah remained motionless. There's one under the love seat, she added. Alan lifted his feet and searched the ground. A mushroom? Sarah groaned. Oh, Mom. Look for yourselves if you don't believe me. Neither moved. Miss Ellie flicked her wrist. Go on, look. The kids shared their hundredth concerned glance of the day. Then Alan shrugged, and they both moved to their knees. Miss Ellie held her breath as they bent over. An eternity passed before their heads reached the ground. I don't, Sarah began, but stopped. She stiffened. Alan asked, what's that light? There's two lights. Well, this one is moving. So is, Sarah yelped looked around at her mother, disbelieving, then back to the space under the love seat. Alan, I think... It's crawling toward me. Yeah, I was about to say that. What are they? I don't know, but they barely fit under there. Looks like a glowing puppet or something. A brown cloud billowed out from under the love seat. Alan screamed and twisted away. Powder covered his face. His eyes were bloodshot. He shielded them with his hands. An instant later, Sarah did the same. She bolted upright on her knees, yelling, furiously rubbing her eyes with the back of her wrists. They both crumpled to the ground, twisting and writhing as if someone had splashed boiling water in their faces. Miss Ellie recalled the spore cloud and the way the flower had wilted. She stood and ran to her children, frantic. When she reached Alan, he pushed her away. He tried to speak, but only managed a half-gurgle, half-scream. Sarah was on her back, no longer yelling, laying perfectly still, her palms cupped to her eyes. Miss Ellie sprinted to the kitchen, ignoring the pain in her back and the fear in her heart. She grabbed the cordless phone, dialed 911, and begged the operator to please, please save her babies. They were dying, and she didn't want to lose them. She didn't want to live without her babies. When the paramedics arrived, they came prepared to revive a pair of infants, 
and instead found an old woman sitting on the floor between two unconscious adults. A week later, Miss Ellie was back in her yard, pruning and planting. The sun was bright, and the humidity woeful, and for the first time in months she listened to her aching body and stopped working. She removed her gloves, looked back at the house, and smiled. This day couldn't have come soon enough. Today the Grands arrived. Alan's ex-neighbor was kind enough to drive them down. She'd offered to at least meet him halfway, but he insisted, said she had enough on her plate as is. And he was right. Between all the fuss of getting custody sorted out and rearranging the house to accommodate the extra beds, she'd barely had time to water the plants. Already many were drooping and turning the darker shade of decay. But she didn't mind. She had new life to sustain. She washed her hands and face in the sink and did a quick tour of the house to ensure everything was perfect for the Grand's arrival. They'd been through a lot and would go through a lot more in the months and years to come but Miss Ellie hoped they would be happy in their new home, in their new rooms upstairs, where their dad and aunt once slept. As she inspected each room, she nodded to Lenny, who lounged on a bookshelf in the study. He was the indigo one, the precocious one, the organizer. She liked him best, because he was the one who had rallied the others to her defense. Wally hid beneath an end table. He almost never came out, but his blue aura was hard to miss. Spot, the lime-green mushroom with black spots, paced around the floor, hands clasped behind his back. Tops, the black mushroom with lime-green spots, followed closely behind Spot, mimicking his every move. When Spot would turn around, annoyed at being followed, Tops would pretend he wasn't doing anything of the kind. The other two mushrooms were hiding, as they often did. They would stay in the study until the Grands were ready to meet them. Lenny promised they'd be on their best behavior. He also promised to protect them the same way they protected her. She never bothered to ask where they came from. She didn't need to know. They loved her, and she them, and that was plenty. Miss Ellie's last stop was the office, which she'd had converted into a bedroom. It had been Freddie's office and was large enough to accommodate the pair of hospital beds that Alan and Sarah slept in. There they both lay, her comatose babies, attached to a series of machines and beeping instruments. The doctors sent them home, more out of frustration than anything. They couldn't explain the comas or the black burn marks on their faces. One doctor was amazed they still lived. Miss Ellie didn't bother mentioning the mushrooms, 
Nobody would believe her. And besides, the mushrooms were just trying to do what they thought best. They owed her that much. She could have plucked them like any other weed before they had a chance to mature. But she didn't. Instead, she rescued them from the wild and nurtured them as a mother would a child. The doorbell rang. She glanced at the kids one last time before closing the door to the study. The house was ready, the air sweet. In a matter of seconds, her family would be together under one roof, her roof. Miss Ellie left the room smiling. Thanks to her new friends, those colorful caps, she'd never be alone again. And that suited her just fine. That was J.C. Hemphill's Colorful Caps, as read by Maureen McLean. Maureen serves as an interpreter, translator, voice talent, continuing ed instructor, and when not doing all of that, also a bass player. She lives and works in Austin, Texas. Thank you, Maureen. That will be our show for the evening. Join us again next week for another episode of Tales to Terrify. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.